Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. All right. So today, I feel like we're going to be talking about all things postpartum, which is going to be terrifying for me, (laughs) but also probably enlightening. Maybe it'll make me feel better. But just postpartum life, especially when it comes to maybe if you're building a business or um, just navigating life, I feel like. if you've I've never been a mom before, so I know I'm kind of have some worries and some concerns. So if I, I can't be the only one. So we have um, Chelsea with us today, who's going to be talking us through what postpartum life looks like or could look like. And um, I feel like she's a pretty straight shooter. So we're going to get some real answers. So thanks for being with us, Chelsea. Yeah. Thanks, Erin. I like the term straight shooter. Yeah. Why be any other way? (laughs) Yes. Except for, I will say, sometimes I do not like straight shooters. Sometimes at this point in my pregnancy, because it terrifies me sometimes. So Sure. I think that's what you need. You need that. (laughs) Tough love. Something to look upset. But... But you're a mother of two. Mm-hmm. Yes. How old are your kids? You- yes. Yeah, so I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Yikes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lots so of yikes. Navigating this life for three years, and you have a business. Yes. And you're a wife. Yes. And you're a, lead a social life too. You do it all, and you find ways to manage all that. Right. And so cut out done. the things that don't fit. Love right. it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about because this, yes. this is going to be fun for me as a non-mom. And I feel yeah. like I have so much to take away from this. And I'm excited to get started. So we just for all our listeners right now, we have a non-mom, me. We have a mom-to-be, Erin. And we have mm-hmm. a mom of two, yeah. Chelsea. So we're mm-hmm. covering all spectrums here. Yeah, so we good. So, so over the past... I don't know how long I've known you, but I've noticed over the past year, I would say, maybe a little longer, you've navigated into the space of postpartum mm-hmm. specifically, mm-hmm. which I love your posts because they're just like, I could see that being my life. Yeah. Like I think your post today or the other day was about like, I don't know, you just looked tired and like you didn't want to do laundry and you're like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to. Mm-hmm. I was like, this, that's real life shit. So I can get behind right. that. <laughs> um, but like, what made you decide to, because you had other businesses, you were doing other yeah. things before. Like what made you move into that space specifically? Yeah. And I, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, I think there are some people who are like, I know from the time I'm seven, what I'm going to do with my life. And for <laughs> me, it hasn't been like that. So like you said, like I've kind of waded through some different business, entrepreneurial opportunities, and traditional work opportunities. But really for me, it came to the point where, you know, in some previous work, I was working with women and I started to work with more women who were postpartum. And I started to hear their stories and I started to hear how isolated they felt and how many things had changed and there wasn't really a place to go. And I was a new mom myself. I felt very similarly. I felt let down in a lot of ways by how, you know, I had all these appointments in pregnancy and everyone held the door for you and they just like (laughs) awed over your pregnant body. And then after baby, you have one appointment, no one's awing over you. Like all (laughs) attention turns to the baby, which I love my kids to pieces, but that's a huge transition for women. So from experiencing that myself and starting to hear this dialogue from other women, 
I just geeked out on all things postpartum when I was pregnant with my second and decided that I would learn everything I could and what I didn't know, I would bring out to the open in social spaces and have these taboo conversations and took about a year, six months to a year of, of just market research to figure out what women were missing and yeah. build a business around that. So what would you say you found in that time frame of like what what's like the biggest thing that you that you feel like people feel like like they miss that they're missing out on or that they they're trying to do that they just can't do anymore. Like they're trying to hold on to their former life. <laughs> yeah, and I think that most women that I talk to feel like everyone else is doing it better. Everyone oh, okay. else is you know, like when you go out, you notice the person who looks like they're smiling with their baby in their baby carrier and their Starbucks yeah. in their hand and they're dressed all nicely or yeah. you see pictures on Instagram and it just looks like their life is flowing so naturally. Yeah. And really behind the scenes, every woman I talk to is like, I'm falling apart. This is a hot mess and I don't <laughs> know why I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. That's funny because I just the other day, Ryan, um, when he came home, I was like sitting on the couch. I had like a, like a box come that's like mm-hmm. of samples of all this stuff. And I was going through it and Ryan came and was like, what's wrong? I was like, I think I'm having my first ever panic uh-huh. attack. I was like, I have no idea what half this shit is uh-huh. for. How am I supposed to be a mom? Like, I'm like trying to read this stuff. I'm like, I don't know what I do with half of this stuff. Mm-hmm. The diapers yeah. were obvious ones. But other than that, I was like... What? Where does this go? But then it made me feel like, okay, like I'm going to be the worst. Everybody must know what to do. Like, you know what I mean? It just made me feel like I'm going to be awful. Everybody must know this stuff. I I can't believe I don't know this. What am I doing having a kid? I don't know this stuff. But you're you're (laughs) not alone because there really isn't a place that prepares you for that. You know, you go to your... OB appointments, even, and they're basically checking on baby and preparing for birth. Like, great. That's their job. I'm so glad someone's doing that, but there is no place to transition a woman. And we don't live with our families like women used to in close proximity. So we're kind of in the dark sometimes. Right. Or back way back when, or even in like villages today, where it really is a whole village, like a bunch of people Mm -hmm. that take care of your baby. It is. I know I text one of my one of my close friends and I she checks in on me. So I am grateful. I do have a friend that like she'll check in every randomly now and then, like, how are you feeling? Whatever. And she's like, F the samples. Who gives a shit? Throw them away. Like you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, that made me feel better. But. Yes. It also is so highly commercialized that yeah. you're going to get half the stuff you don't even actually need. It's mm-hmm. just a, another way. Right. So, okay. So, so you did six months to a year mm-hmm. study and then mm-hmm. what did you, so you decided coming out of that, like, I'm going to like create a space for these women or like a support mm-hmm. group or like a, yeah. or like a resource channel for them or. Yeah. I would hope that they would call it all of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <All of> them. <laughs> so I, I took trends. I surveyed I had survey responses from hundreds of women and used Instagram a lot to do market research. And I just took their answers to see what the common themes were that women were feeling either unprepared for or unsupported when it came to their postpartum experience. So I I made a course, but it's a group coaching program. So that way people are face-to-face with other women every week. They're sharing each other's stories. They're learning from one another. We usually meet each other's spouses and just bring in that space to safely say like, 
this is my experience. This is what was great. This is what's uncomfortable. This is the shit I can't say to my mom or my sister because it's so awkward. <laughs> right. Work through. So what yeah. was what was the like biggest like common theme? Mm-hmm. Relationships is were it? yeah. That's definitely the biggest theme is how much having a baby. You know, you kind of hear, oh, you're gonna fall so madly in love with your partner when you see them hold a baby, yeah. and like. Yeah, it's really beautiful, like really heartwarming. But also at 2 a.m. when you've both been up six times and no one wants to get the baby, like mean shit is said. And when you don't have time to communicate and yet you're trying to learn how to take care of this new human, it just makes a lot of room to feel disconnected. You feel weird in your body. You're not having sex as much. Like it's all of these things and your relationship feels so different. Yeah, I, I'm not a mom, but I can understand that. I mean, even it's just like whether you bring in a third component into anything, yeah. you might have a communication that's pretty solid. Now you bring in a third third component and you're like, you both have different expectations and you have mm-hmm. different styles of communication or parenting mm-hmm. or running a business or whatever it may be. And yeah, I mean, I feel like communication is huge no matter yeah. what. So definitely, yeah. I mean, you got to work and on that. When they talk about like men and women's brains being different, I feel like I like understood that consciously to a point. And then I got married and I understood it a little bit more. Uh-huh. <laughs> then I got knocked up and I really, <laughs> really understand it. Where I'm like, yeah. God, like the littlest things irritate me so bad. And anyone that knows my husband and knows Ryan, like he's the happiest, like most joyful soul in the world. And even there's times where he says things where I just want to punch him in the face. Even as a just pregnant, like this baby's not even here yet. So so maybe maybe <laughs> form a code word, a code yeah. word or code phrase for Aaron to be like, look, we can't talk right now because my emotions are so escalated. Yeah. I'm going to say or do something mean. Yeah. And I'm pretty, I want to say confrontational, but that sounds like mean. I'm definitely somebody that's not afraid to like mm-hmm. have a conversation or like something pissed me off. I won't hold a grudge. Like I just want to talk about mm-hmm. it and tell you what pissed me off and then we move on. Like that's just my personality. I don't want to dwell, but I noticed like being pregnant one time, <laughs> I make, I'm like so passive aggressive. I was so mad. I went in the room crying and then I'm like, and then I'm like messaging him all these like articles I'm finding online, <laughs> like sending them out to the living room so he can read these articles about like <laughs> how to treat a pregnant woman. I'm like, this is so not me at all. But like, so it is, I guess I do understand from a man's perspective. Cause like, I don't even understand myself half the time. Mm-hmm. So how's he? But and, and so when you have a baby, obviously like your hor like, cause a lot of it's hormones. Mm-hmm. You have huge like, hormonal shifts in your brain. And they can last like any kind of hormonal, even like postpartum depression, anxiety, any of those yeah. issues can start up to a year after wow. you have a baby, which just goes to show that your hormones are continuing to fluctuate. Not last so year. Start after one year. It could start up to a year and still be considered postpartum. Yeah. And it's not abnormal for someone to have some kind of onset between six and 12 months. And some of that too, if you're breastfeeding or pumping or whatever that looks like, if you wean, you like when you stop doing that, you have a whole new hormone fluctuation. And it just, it takes the body a long time to get back to quote unquote normal, which is again, an arbitrary word. Right. Okay. So hold on. I just had a question. Now I just, this is my pregnancy brain now. Oh, love it. That's, I didn't think was a thing. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. 
you're, oh, so like, okay. So in, in like finding a solution, if there is a solution, I guess, to like people that are feeling a certain way or like going through these changes mm-hmm. and realizing I have to take, like what you have to do as a mom now compared to your former life. So do you tell them or, or, or what would you suggest, I guess, for somebody that's like, like cut out things that you don't want to do or just realize, get over it. Like life's going to change. Or here's some ways to like balance all the things you want to do or mm-hmm. is there a solution? Yeah, Erin, I think it's so, I mean, it is so case by case. And yeah. you have, I really believe in um, kind of knowing your personality type. I personally use the Enneagram and I use that with people I work with. Oh, okay. And I think that that uncovers kind of where someone's motivation and worth falls in. So for me, for example, I am an achiever. Like that is how I feel fulfilled and I feel like myself. So for me, I had to cut out things like having the house pristine. Sometimes it's cutting out, you know, mom groups or play dates, things that I felt like I should do. They weren't really the things that gave me the most life. Like it is prioritizing even more and cutting out even the middle stuff that's like, I should do that. It might feel good. But no, I have to stick to what is 100% me. For someone else that might be, I don't want to do any work right now. I don't want to focus on my business or I need to take a step back because I want to fully immerse in this time. I want to be the nurturer and the caretaker. So I think it's asking yourself what makes you feel the most like yourself and how you can connect with those areas. I think that's a great point. I know that um, Aaron and I talked about the Enneagram before and I always forget. I feel like mine depends that when I take it, it's like, what do I feel like today? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I know that that can fluctuate, but you bring up that good point about really what lights you up and bringing you joy and fulfillment. And I think whether you're a mom or not, that's such an important role into what we do because we kind of just go through the motions sometimes and we don't Mm -hmm. think about like what we actually want. Right. Yeah. And we... I, I use the term with my women, shoddy conversations. Yeah. Um, and asking yourself, what are the things that I'm doing because I think I should? And what are the things I'm doing because it is in line with me and what I want and where I'm going? Right. I always joke with the, I can't say it, Enneagram. Enneagram. Mm, <laughs> I always joke because I, I always give you like your top two whenever you take it. So I'm always like really high seven and really high three. And I'm like, guys, like I just love to have so much fun and I want to be the freaking best at having fun. So I don't think that fits in with motherhood. Maybe, but. <laughs> oh, but it could. It could. There are a lot of good moms. Play seven. so hard. Yeah. Figure mm-hmm. that out. Um, <laughs> but gosh, yes, I love that. And so you, so you do these groups with like women, mm-hmm. right? So is it like a three month thing, a six month thing? Does it fluctuate? Can people join anytime? Mm-hmm. Do you do one-on-one stuff? Yeah. So it is 10 weeks and it closes every time. I think it's really important that it becomes a safe, intimate space. So those women get to know each other. They go through that 10 weeks together. And then, you know, I've seen that women stay in contact. They stay friends. They found a connection point and that is something that carries on with them. But I, I start them every quarter right now. Eventually I'd like to start them every month and just limit it to 10 women that that creates enough diversity in stories that we're really learning from each other. We see each other's perspective. We can ask questions, but yet everyone has a space to show up when we meet for our group yeah. calls. And then I meet with them one-on-one at the beginning and at the end. 
Do you ever have women that are like, I would love to be a part of this, but I don't have time for a damn group call? Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> and it's like, you need the group call, man. <laughs> Right. And that totally is it. Like if you, I would say that every woman needs something, something like that, but it's really hard for a woman to take a step to say, I'm going to carve out this hour a week for myself. But what I love is that we've had babies nursing during our calls, like someone, you know, rocking their baby to sleep during our calls. It's definitely a mom to mom space. Have you had women in your group that disagree on things? Yeah, I would say some heated debates. We don't, yeah, we don't debate. (laughs) We definitely, so I start every call with like, we are all mothering very differently. Yeah. We have a purpose for each of our calls. So we have an agenda, we have an outline, but I really encourage them to see someone's difference as just an opportunity to just see how someone else does it differently than you. Right. I think maybe I'm wrong because I have no idea, but I feel like this like, generation of people is probably more open-minded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my mom and aunts, even to this day, like me being pregnant, it's like, there's one way you got to do this, this, this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Like, yeah, like, for sure. Like traveling, for example, my mom was like, I, we went to Prague. I was 20 weeks pregnant. And my mom was just like, you can't be traveling when you're pregnant. Uh-huh. Like whatever. What if someone kidnaps you? <laughs> And I was like, mom, I was like, do you not think that there's pregnant women in Prague? Like they don't need to kidnap outside pregnant yeah. people. Like, I think I have their own pregnant people there. Um, right. But just like things like that, like my mom's, they're just like super old school. Like I've had to have the conversation with my mom, like travel is part of what we do. Like that's us. I was like, so my child's probably going to be on a lot of flights in their first mm-hmm. year of life. And she yeah. just like thinks that's the most wrong thing yeah. Could do. Yeah. And I, it's interesting you bring that up because that is something that we spend some time reflecting on. And that comes up often is either women comparing their experience to their mothers yeah. or to how they perceived their mothers. You know, we don't right. remember that our moms lost their shit or True. were exhausted. Well, and- <laughs> I remember sometimes. <laughs> but not, a, you know, not as yeah. a one or, you know, right. a baby or one or two year old. And so we, can oftentimes like reflect and feel like we're not living up. Or I hear a lot that women feel like they can't process with their parents because our generation is more of just a processing generation. We want to be in tune with our experiences and with our feelings. And we, a lot of us were raised by a generation of like, suck it up. This is the way it is. Move on. And it's just a different idea and mindset. Also too, with Rachel, you can probably weigh in on this. I'm just, I, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I'm just quietly observing back here and, and I'm learning a lot and just kind of thinking, okay, how can I like a- apply this motherhood trait to like the business or even my two kittens I got now, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Don't lose your shit with your kittens. Oh, but they do make me mad when they're eating my house plants. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, Kids will probably do that too. <laughs> right. But after, um, so postpartum, cause you've done this twice. So this uh-huh. is why it'll be like even bigger. Not, I don't know if that's the right word, but like body image, like mm-hmm. postpartum, like, cause I've always been under the mindset, like I'm going to be knocked up. I'm going to eat 
My mom hates when I say that, by the way. So I hope she doesn't. It's not not good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just fun, mom. It makes me feel less right. <laughs> yes. More edgier, I guess. I was like, I'm already getting less and less cool. Like, let me use some cool slang. <laughs> um, but I was like, so after like, I have a baby, like it's always been my mindset. Like I'm going to work out during my entire pregnancy. And then after my pregnancy, I'm just going to like work out like a boss and eat great and like get my body totally back, which first of all, A, haven't worked out my entire pregnancy. <laughs> like I did in the beginning. And then it got to a point where I'm like, maybe it's the, maybe it's the three in me where I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not good at it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Whatever. So yeah. So like, I haven't worked out like I have, like I still coach basketball. So I kind of get a little active then, but even then when I shoot, I think I pull a muscle in my uterus every time. <laughs> so I'm like terrified to do more. So I'm like, all right, I'll just like focus on this post-birth, then I'll just really get after it. And then I'll really like work out and get my body back. And then, you know, you hear all these stories of women that they just laugh. They're like, ha ha ha, good luck trying to find time to work out or, you know what I mean? Those kinds of things are like, or is it realistic? I hate the word realistic, but is it common or is it a a achievable thing for someone to ever get their body quote unquote back, especially in their 30s. Like, I'm not a 22-year-old popping out a baby. Like, <laughs> right. 100% you can. I'm 34. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. I think that's a great point. Like, so I've had two very different experiences based on my personal focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, so with my first, like, I was in better shape after my baby than I was even before. However... I let a lot of other things go. I was not good in my relationship. I was not connected to my... Like I put all of my worth in that and I sacrificed a lot of opportunity to be present as a mom. And I think that that was a huge reflection I had. Like I could have taken more time. It's not a race. It's it's not a competition. This time it has not been the same, but I feel a lot more... <laughs> well-rounded yeah. <laughs> play on words there, but, <laughs> but I found, you know, my worth in a lot of other things. And I do plan to continue to exercise and take kind of a slower route. So my first time I had abs, but I was still peeing myself a lot because right. I had no idea about how to heal the inside of my body before I focused on losing weight. And I think a lot of women are in that spot where if your genetics are right, if your thyroid doesn't have issues after baby, like there are a lot of things that can impact how your body does or doesn't respond. Hormones, thyroid, breastfeeding, like all of this has an impact. But if you don't take care of the inside first, then you really do set yourself up for maybe outside it looks great, but not a good whole experience. Right. Right. And that's something I could totally attest to. And that's one of yeah. like my, my biggest messages out there as far as like being healthy and fit and being fit starts with within. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily uh, like what, what I talk about isn't so much of like hormones because that's just not my jam. Mm-hmm. And, but it's really about taking care of what's on the inside and what we perceive on the mm-hmm. outside. Like somebody's got their life together because externally yeah. how they look. Yeah. You have no idea what's happening inside. Yeah. Not at all. And so I, I just know that like when, when it comes to health and fitness and just really taking care of you as that whole, 
it's about where you place that as a value, whether mm-hmm. or not you make it a priority. I know being even a non-mom, I poured all of my efforts into like my business and I let like relationships and even myself slide. So when I had to start shifting the balance to have, you know, balance between himself, business mm-hmm. and relationships, including my husband. And that was when you take a look at where your efforts are going and what actually needs to be filled, kind of thinking like mm-hmm. tires. If you're running one on low and one's kind of flat and the other one's just like, you know, it's ready to go. Yeah. But for me, health and fitness was a top value because of if I'm not my best self, I can't mm-hmm. be my best self for, you know, whoever may need yeah. me. And I, I, I think even like when I'm working with mothers as well, I see that shift is now they still may think of themselves as not a priority and now baby comes first. But yet, if you're not setting the standard and, mm-hmm. and like what you believe, your child will model that in the long run as well. So for me, I just always say, if you take care of yourself, like the whole self-care, self-love, um, getting fit from within, your mm-hmm. physical being will reflect that as you move forward. And that's yeah, I, where you're setting your child up or your business up or whatever it may be yeah. that comes through you and for you. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And- I feel like there's a lot of like thing like fit for moms or something like mom groups for fitness and stuff. So you can kind of even make it more like a social thing. Like maybe yeah, kind of what you're doing with but like with, yeah. Yeah. And that's having, having that support group. I mean, yeah. it's, it's almost like, you know, for example, you can just get out and walk, you know, if you still have a baby in a stroller, just getting out and walking and talking with other moms. You're actually <laughs> filling yourself because it's the connection, it's the community. You're getting possibly outside if you're taking this outside. Yeah. You know, change of scenery, it's a change of energy as well. And then you're also getting physically, physical movement. And with you'll be happier. Your whole state. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And so that allows you to almost encompass everything all at the same time. And it doesn't yeah. have to be walking, but it's really about bringing that community together and bettering yeah. yourselves in, in a way instead of kind of sitting around, sipping on some wine and complaining about oh, yeah. what, what is happening in your life. And it's like, well, is that positively moving you into a better space? Yeah. Because it does reflect on your child. And you know whether you're like from a positive or a negative kind of energy connotation, it will reflect in that, you know, children, right. children pick up on that. Yeah. So let's not joke about wine right now because... <laughs> okay. Some <laughs> highly caffeinated... Uh-huh. Right. Right. But, um, okay. So then, so moving from like fitness then, obviously like you have a business mm-hmm. and you know lots of moms that have businesses, mm-hmm. but we were talking about how obviously with like comparison, we're always comparing what other moms are doing. Yeah. Um, how like today's world... I hate, Sometimes when I say that, I feel like an old person. An but, old lady. Yeah. <laughs> But in today's world, how like moms are marketed to through like different business opportunities or income avenues and making it look simple. So like moms are like, oh shit, like if that's mom is whatever, I'm awful because I'm not yet. So yes. Yeah. So I feel, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I feel really strongly about this when it comes to business because, you know, you can go through Instagram or Facebook and you see an ad for like, are you already online? Well, just... Post a picture. <laughs> post a picture while you're holding your baby and make your income. And you're yeah. like, oh, well, this sounds great, right? Yeah. And people will you get email sequences and how I yeah. launched a six-figure business on my maternity leave or whatever it is. And there's so much bullshit yeah. behind the scenes that people aren't being honest about. So yeah. for me, like I feel very strongly when I say this has been a really hard day. Having childcare and trying to build a business is really freaking hard yeah. to 
you know, there are lots of, I'm sure you guys know and see there are a lot of areas you have to actually invest to make a business run. So I might be making X amount of money, but the amount of costs that go into startup and continuing a business, these are the things that a woman who is thinking about starting a business or is thinking about scaling a business needs to know and needs to have more honest conversations about instead of these like how to instantly rock your business with a baby because nap times are inconsistent and you're exhausted. You still have to take care of yourself. And a lot of these people are utilizing outside help, which like we said, go for it. If that is what works for your family, if your priority and what's filling your cup is growing your business, then put your energy into how to keep growing your business. Right. But we have to be honest about, sure, I had this launch, but I had a nanny, a virtual assistant, a graphic designer, (laughs) a cook, like whatever it is. No shame. But we can't hide this stuff from women who are being sold this idea of entrepreneurship, but not being told the whole story. Right. Right. I think that's important even as as like Mm. for for any business, just being real about the successes and failures and really just knowing that like it takes sometimes a village. Yeah. Yeah. They say that it takes a village to raise a child, but like... It takes a village even to run a business because yeah. I think for me, I, I personally believe there is no self-made right. whatever you want to f- fill in that blank because it right. does take help and that's acknowledging and asking for help. And I think for when I see these marketing pitches as well, for, you know, it's usually like, cause I'm in that space and it kind of toys on my mm-hmm. emotions or like where I'm at yeah. mentally. And it's like, Ooh, but I want that too. And you're kind of on the outside looking in. And I just think it's really important that, you know, we see on social media so many highlight reels and this kind of facade that everything's all together. And then when we're already in that funk, we start comparing our outsides yeah. to other people's and, and we don't know the whole story. And I think just overall, like why part of like my mission is just to always be real. And that's yes. and what, what our mission is for the confident woman is to be real, raw in your confident self. And that means owning it. So if you have mm-hmm. to hire a VA or uh, possibly a nanny in your guys' case, admit that. There's right. nothing wrong with asking for help. And just because if you're getting outside help doesn't make you any less of a business person, a mother, or just as a human at all. Because that right. actually makes you a better, a right. better encompassment of all of that. Yeah. I mean, if you were going off to the office, you would have someone helping in these areas. Yeah. And it is, we say, if you're building a business, you find out the ways to treat it like a business. And whatever your story looks like, that's what we own. And that's what we should be sharing and talking about. Yeah. So that, you know, there were times when I thought to myself, well, gosh, I've been doing this for... X months or you know whatever <laughs> months. Why why have I not had my big break or my yeah. you know six figure launch? Yeah, and it's just we deserve as women to to be more real with other women right. in every aspect. Like even you just saying that with like months, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what yeah. realistically do people expect to accomplish in months? Right. <laughs> you know, but that's right. what's that's what's marketed to people. Yeah. That's what people are led to believe that that's all it takes. And I feel like, again, I haven't been a mom yet, but I feel like entrepreneurship is something that like 
you can grow into it and like along the way, but I feel like there's something about it that you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, it's going to be even harder as a mom, I feel like, because like there is a sense of like a natural like drive and like Mm -hmm. desire and like risk taking and like, but like for entrepreneurs, like we look at risk taking as like motivation. It's not like, it's kind of, I don't want to say fun, but like, (laughs) It's a little addicting. We don't give a shit if it fails. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how entrepreneurs are. Like, we're going to find out. But I feel like if that's not you as a person anyways, Mm -hmm. and there's things you can dabble in or whatever, go sell it, make it. Like, I have moms I know that, like, they just make candles at home and sell them. And that's it. So they're not trying to become a millionaire. They're not trying to, like, whatever. So that's, that's fine. There's not a big risk in that. So that's great. But I feel like when people are, like, sold this idea like I'm gonna be making six figures in months. Right. <laughs> or even even a few years isn't realistic, you know? Right. So it's like, yeah. And I and so like what you were saying earlier, like I think mom's already we are already comparing yourself in yeah. every aspect out of every anyway. I mean it's just like I think motherhood and business, babies and business are so similar in so many ways. You know, I call my business my third baby because the highs are really high. The lows are really low. It's super emotional. You have to reach out for help. Like, again, like Rachel said, it takes a village for my kids, but it takes a village for my business. And I think we don't see the behind the scenes, right? Just like in a beautiful Instagram picture that we see of a mom with her kids. We don't see the rest of the house. We don't see if she bribed her kids with treats. We don't see (laughs) like how the morning went. We don't know what all it took to get to that one moment. And the same thing with business. We can look at someone and it looks like they just kicked ass overnight. And we know that's not true, but also we have no idea you know, like I said, there there are long nights with bad coffee and like Googling the hell out of business things because that's the part that it takes and that's the really hard part yeah. to get through. Right. And I think that if, if you, you should be aware of yourself at this point where it's like, if you know you're in a vulnerable mm. state, mm-hmm. stay offline, Gosh, stop yeah. scrolling. <laughs> Because you know yes. you're going to go down that path and all of a sudden you you might even like look at your child or your business with kind of resentment. Like, sure. why am I not there? And even yeah. though people are like, oh, I made my six figures in one month. Well, it could have been like 27 months of failing yep. to even get there. Up to that. And you don't know. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's just, that's the um, reality of what is. And, and I know a part of the whole marketing and especially on social media... We only get a glimpse. Mm-hmm. And obviously from that business perspective, you're showcasing like, this is the result you can get, but they don't talk about the nitty gritty because nobody wants to hear that. That's not sexy. Right, they want right. The result. And right. I just think, I mean, again, just being honest, like for me, I'm just always like, I'm going to share you my lows because mm-hmm. you know what? It makes me, brings me back to humanizing me and connecting mm-hmm. to other people. And that way they're like, oh, okay, now I don't feel like so much of a failure because right. he's going through it too. And it creates relatability as well as like connection for other women in that space. And it's like, okay, cool. So I'm not such a loser. And, you know, she just kind of gave me the courage to keep going because mm-hmm. there is something better on the outside. Just, you just have to forge through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know, with babies and business, the number one thing women tend to feel is alone. And those conversations are so necessary to not feel alone. Absolutely. And if you do feel alone, connect, you know, shoot shoot a message, like even a comment, like, you know what, me too, I feel that way. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just, you don't know where the conversation may go, 
But yeah. yet by holding that in, it just even makes you feel more isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, we all have that voice and like we're all striving yeah. for the same thing. So it's just important no matter where you're at in your business and life, emotionally, mentally. Yeah. We have a voice and that's what brings us together. And, the, and there's so many like mom groups and like there's so many ways to connect today. And I feel like even not having this baby out of my body yet, but just being pregnant and like coaching basketball, I like went through like, um, like I reached out to people or even asked on social media about people that like were, had babies or were pregnant during coaching high school sports. Cause I felt mm-hmm. a certain way and like reached out and I like talked to so many women that coached volleyball or basketball at the high school level while they were pregnant. And then after giving birth and like all this kind of stuff, just having those conversations made me feel so yeah. much better. I was like, yeah. holy shit, I'm not the only one. Cause I just felt like I can't coach the way I want to, like lower energy, like this kind of stuff. And I just felt like, is it fair? Like I can't give a hundred percent because whatever, like, am I a horrible coach? You know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And just like talking to these women, like there's so much, like, we, we've been talking about like community out there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm not the, I knew I wasn't the first woman ever to coach varsity sports and right. have a baby. So other people have done this shit. So I'm going to reach out and hear <laughs> From them, and then it was empowering. Like they felt right. like million dollars after talking right. to people. But I, I love how you how you say that the most vulnerable things can turn out to be the most empowering things. Yeah, but absolutely, that, that gap, that step is really hard for us a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And that's the courage it takes for asking for help. That was just like probably if. if I think I had somebody ask me, like, what is the one thing? And I hate it when they say one thing. There is no one <laughs> yeah, thing. Sure. But when I started thinking about it, I was like, I got out of my own way. Mm-hmm. I asked for help. Mm-hmm. There was something yeah. I, it was like hard pill to swallow because sometimes our ego and our pride is kind of like, I got to do it all. Mm-hmm. A- and it's like, you get in your own way. And then when you actually step over that, like that wall that we're holding, mm-hmm. you know, behind and we ask for help, you'd be amazed at like all these people that have one, either been offering their standing mm-hmm. by to offer you help or two, like the people that are just like willing to, they have these gifts and like, the sharing and the vast of like the wealth of knowledge. And it's like, you have no idea the abundance that's on the other side of just getting out of your own way. Yeah. And then you have time to focus on and hone in on what you're really good at. You know, I've spent so much time, I feel like on that ego and wasting my time on things I'm not good at. And I'm still not good at them after (laughs) so many hours. And really it's just been the last couple months for me that I've been like, nope, this is not what I'm good at. Like, I need help or I need to take it off my plate, you know? And again, like I, we don't have a situation where I can't bring in any income to our family. You know, we talked a little bit about sometimes people don't share that they had thousands of extra dollars to invest, to start their business, to have their great launch. Like, yeah. And we all come to it in a different place. Right. And it's always going to build at a different pace. Yep. And that, that can be hard to well, you know, I've often compared myself to someone that I know had a lot of money to invest in their business to start off with. But we always have to come back and ground ourselves in knowing that we're all working with a different uh-huh. toolkit. And, you know, we ask for help, we get help when we can, we do what we can, and we all grow at a different rate. 
exactly. 100%. Yes. So we're getting close to our time here, which went by really fast. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this could be like a part. <laughs> no, I feel like, like we're going to be part, part two. Series. Uh, yeah, for sure. Part two is necessary. But before we wrap up this, is there anything that you want to say that you didn't get a chance to or something mm-hmm. that you wanted to make sure that you mentioned? Or obviously we're going to put all your contact information. Yeah. Yeah. Your well, photos, your Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Cause I think all moms should follow your Instagram. I think we, we hit on this, but I, you know, there are tons of products that are going to be marketed to moms in postpartum. There are tons of courses and, you know, different things that you can do or be involved in. But the most powerful thing I've seen and heard in my experience is each other's stories. So in my groups, my curriculum, I think it's pretty great and I facilitate good calls, but one another's stories is what actually really connects people and moves them. And for me, you know, personally, my daughter was born with a heart defect. And so the doctors were helpful. Research is great, but other people's stories is what really brought me comfort and ease. And when it comes to postpartum, we still are left with not as much language, not as much understanding what's actually happening to us and not as much support, you know, as we are in compared to pregnancy or other seasons of our life. But the more women say these taboo words or put these conversations out there and share their stories, the more that every woman feels a little more connected and less isolated. And it really has the potential, I think, to make a powerful shift in how we see and experience this season for women from all different backgrounds. So yeah. I guess just, I always want to encourage women to speak their truth and share their story. One, because it's healing internally, but two, because it adds to this bigger conversation and this bigger movement of normalizing postpartum experiences. Ooh, I, yeah. love, I love everything you just said. <laughs> non-mom, I'm like, yes. I'm saying like, she was behind you. like, that was so good. Seriously, that was such great takeaway. Um, And kind of just piggybacking off of that, I mean, storytelling, speaking your truth. Because if you just hide behind everything and think that what you have inside isn't of value or that won't be received or, you know, kind of that whole like, you know, who am I to say this? And you get in your head and have this self-doubt. And it's like, but you don't know what's on that other side. And again, get out of your way because storytelling and connection, it will light you up. And the next thing you'll know, you're going to be sharing that, using a platform to share your story and experience because it's so empowering and it's almost contagious because you just can't get enough of it. Right. And you're going to spread it out. So I love it. I love it. So thank you for that message. And how can our listeners find you? I know we're going to include in the show notes, Mm -hmm. but not everyone reads show notes. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) So everything, my brand, my business is called Postpartum Together. So postpartumtogether.com is where you can go to find stories, information. Is this normal? What's happening to me? Um, Blog posts, uh, information about our groups that we hold and any opportunity to prepare for postpartum in the third trimester. And then same thing, my business has a Postpartum Together Instagram page. And then just for like the fun keep it real, kick the shit conversations. I also have a personal page at Chelsea Keeps It Real with a period between each word. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. I've been following it too. And I'm just like, you're just so funny. You can feel your personality come through your posts. You know, I used to, when I first became a mom, I spent probably two years 
year and a half feeling like I had to present everything. Like it was so perfectly put together. And when I just ditched that because I had to, because I was losing it, everything felt so much better. Right. And that's what, again, you just feel like when you just let things go, you become, yeah. like you just be. And it's so much easier to be than to pretend to be. So it is, yes. Keeping it real. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Profound. It was, yeah. (laughs) It's simple, so. (laughs) Right. I'm excited. We're excited for you, Erin. What's that? (laughs) We're excited for you. Oh, goodness. uh, (laughs) It's going to be entertaining for sure. I'm like you. I don't like to, I like to be transparent, not sugarcoat. So I'm sure my motherhood journey is going to be entertaining for people maybe, but... (laughs) It'll be one for sure. We'll we'll keep it real. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, ladies. I have two pages of notes, so I'm great. I'm grateful for this. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's the Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.